If you've got a Bible with you, why don't you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, or turn it on, or skim to it on Bible Gateway, or whatever you need to do. How's everyone doing this morning? Does everyone have a good Christmas and New Year? Yeah, good time? Got all the presents you were hoping for? More, you. That's impressive. That's really impressive. Uh, listen, it's so good to have this time together on the, uh, the very first Sunday in January. And we have big expectations for what God is going to do this year. And what I want to bring to you this morning is this theme for the whole of 2019 that we have, uh, which I'll come to in just a moment. But before I do that, why don't you turn to someone next to you if you feel comfortable doing that. And I want you to tell them uh, as succinctly as you can, what are you afraid of? Like, what is like your phobia? What, what are the things that, like, if, if you were presented with this, you'd kind of go, ooh, like that. So uh, over to you, just for a minute. What are you afraid of? Okay. And anyone here? Uh, anyone here frightened of spiders? Any any people? Quite a few spider people. I, I'm not on the whole. I'm not generally uh, frightened of spiders. Although I did have a very bad experience with a spider once. Uh, back in my mid-teens, um, I know this will surprise you when you look at me, but in my mid-teens, I was I was really committed to bodybuilding. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I, I wear these baggy T-shirts because they just hide a rippling torso. They really, really do. And, uh, and so I was really committed to bodybuilding. And, and as part of that, because uh, I was very thin, as part of that, um, I used to have this kind of daily regime of having a big pint of milk uh, in the day, uh, in the morning. And then I'd drink a lot of milk because that's the way to kind of build up a bit. And, uh, and, all the, and, and I was never very good in the morning, still not that great. And I remember going downstairs, again, about 15 years old, uh, to our house in Beaton Avenue. And uh, we had this big dresser, uh, which you kind of slid these wooden doors. And, and we had these big, do you remember, Mum and Dad, we had these big blue glasses. They were very tall. You could get, they were kind of clear. You could get a whole pint of milk in them. And, uh, and so I grabbed one of these glasses, and I went over to the fridge sleepily, and I got a pint of milk out, and I poured it in, and we had a little breakfast bar, and I sat up on the stool, and I started to drink. And it was all going really well when suddenly I realized that there was like a ball of fluff in my mouth, like a really big ball of fluff. And, and I just thought, how, how have I got a ball of fluff in my mouth? And anyway, I rolled this ball of fluff to the end of my tongue and, and then picked it out. And it was large, you know, and, and put it down, this milk-ridden fluff. And then the eight legs proceeded out of that thing. And this poor spider was squiggling. Now, that's enough to put you off milk, let me tell you that right now. And... Uh, but I, I generally don't have a fever of, of spiders, but I'm, I don't drink milk anymore. Like, I even have black coffee. Like, I'm just not taking any risks, you know, at all. But, uh, but I know when we think about the things that we're afraid of, we might think about things like that. But, but in truth, those aren't the things we're really afraid of. Like, if you woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and, th- and there's a rush of emotion as you think about something you're contending with, like that's the thing 
that's the thing. Often, you know, sometimes I, I, I have the privilege of mentoring people and coaching people. And one of the questions I, I regularly ask them is, if you were to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, what are you thinking? What are you worried about? What's going on in your mind? What are you wrestling with? What are the things that feel like giants? Giants in your world. And our whole theme this year, which, uh, which we're going to live with in everything that we do and we're going to believe for, is this. Most of you know it. It is every giant must fall in 2019. That's what we're believing, that every giant must fall. All the giants that we feel like we're facing, all of the things that we're intimidated by, all the things that we're worried about, all of the things that we're anxious about, we, we want to declare because of God and who he is and that nothing is impossible with him, that 2019 is the year where every giant must fall. Is anyone with me this morning? Have you got to talk to me? You've got to talk to me. Every giant must fall. And, and so if we're thinking about giants, and you can't think about giants without thinking about the, the most fav, famous giant killer story in the whole of the Scripture, which is the story of David and Goliath. Absolutely, David and Goliath, which is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And, uh, and we're just going to skim through this story, and I'm going to draw out five, five key things that we learn about what it means to be a giant killer from this very, very famous story. And the thing about this story is, if you look at 1 Samuel 16, what you'll see in that is, is the very first of Israel's kings, Saul. Basically, God has sacked him because he's doing a terrible job. And Saul tells Samuel, who's the resident prophet at that time, to go to Bethlehem uh, and to go to the house of a guy called Jesse. And there he meets this, this young, spotty, teenage boy called David. And, David, and God says, that's the guy who's going to be the new king. Not because he looks great, not because he's awesome, but basically God says, he is a man after my own heart. This David, this little teenage boy... He wants to serve me, so I'm going to choose him as the next king. But he's still young. And so it's almost like maybe just months later, David's young and he's a shepherd's boy. And his, and his father tells him, what I want you to do, I want you to take some lunch out to your brothers. Because your brothers are out on the battlefield and they are engaged in a war with all the other Israelites against the enemy, which is the Philistines. And so th this is how the story begins in 1 chapter, chapter, Samuel chapter 17. David arrives on the battlefield, and this is what he, he sees. Because basically what's been going on for the last 40 days is, is this big standoff every morning. Literally, I want you to imagine that you've got a large valley, and on one cliff overlooking the valley are the Israelites all lined up. And on the other side of the valley, there's all the Philistines. But standing proud, head and shoulders, literally above everyone else, is Goliath. This nine-foot-tall giant. This impregnable wall of the enemy. And every single morning for 40 days, Goliath steps out and he basically shouts across the valley and says, come over here if you're hard enough. It's basically what he says. That if one of you guys would come and fight me, if you beat me, we, all the Philistine army and nation, we will surrender to you. But if I beat you, then all of you Israelites, God's people, you must surrender to us. And guess what? No one wants to fight Goliath. 
No one wants to do it. Even King Saul, who we are told is head and shoulders above the rest. He's not nine foot tall, but he is a tall, strapping king. Even he doesn't want to do it. Every day for 40 days, this standoff happens. In the Hebrew, it literally means that the the Israelites, their knees knock with fear, and then they retreat. Every day, 40 days, no one wants to fight. And so it goes on and on. Because, my friends, at this moment in Israel's history, there are no giant killers in the land. There are no giant killers, just giants who intimidate and cause fear and anxiety. But all of that is about to change. And and I want to say prophetically over you and I, if there are giants in your life today, if you feel like you're battling with some things and you don't feel like you've got a giant killer in you, then we want to agree together right here, right now, 2019, All of that is about to change. All of that is about to change because of what we see in this story. And so there are five things that we see in this story about what what creates a giant killer, what makes David a giant killer. Because we all know how this story ends. We know that Goliath is going to be dead by the end of it. But let's go on the journey. And the first is this, that giant killers are fueled. They burn with complaint. They burn with complaint. That's the starting point for being a giant killer. Look at David's words. This is 1 Samuel 17, verses 26 and 32. David rocks up and he says, Who does that worthless Philistine think he is? He's making fun of the army of the living God. This Philistine shouldn't turn us into cowards. I'll go out and fight him myself. Like all of the other Israelites are looking at Goliath and they're thinking like, this, this is, you know, this, this is, guys, just too big. This is just too impossible. And David looks at this and he is utterly outraged by what he sees. He looks at this giant. He's like, who does this guy think he is? How dare he intimidate the people of God? How dare he make God look small? Like, how dare he do that? Giant killers are fueled by complaint. They burn with complaint. They're like, I'm not allowing this to happen on my watch. This is not right. This is not right. This is not allowable. I'm going to have to see this change. See, See, complaint is very different than concern. Complaint will stir you to action. Like We've all been concerned about some stuff. You see sometimes things on the TV and you're concerned about it. Maybe it troubles you in the moment, but then you're on to the next thing. But complaint's not like that. If you really have a complaint, you can't help but do something about it. Like some of us here, like think of the, when you go to a restaurant. Most of us, we get very British in restaurants. We say we have a complaint, but we don't. We really have a concern. Like we're sitting down and we're having a meal, and, and maybe the steak is a little bit overcooked. And, and what do we do? We say, oh, I'm going to complain about this. I'm going to, you know, because I'm concerned about the quality of this meat. And then the waitress comes over. They do that thing that they always do, or the waiter, and they say, how's your food? And you look at them, you go, it's lovely. <laughs> it's great. Because really we had a concern, a complaint, you always act upon a complaint. A complaint always moves you. And that's what happens in this story. It makes you mad. Some of us this morning, we are facing giants within. Giants of anxiety, giants of worry, giants of sickness, whatever it is. Some of us are facing giants from without. We're facing giants of relationship challenges, financial challenges, job challenges. 
And we're all aware that there are giants in the world around us today. Giants of poverty, giants of homelessness, giants of famine. We, we know our, our world is ransacked and riddled with giants. And you can either look at those things without and look at within and resign yourself that that's the way it's going to be. Or you can choose today and say, not on my watch. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just mad. I want to see this stuff change. I want to see this stuff change. I want to see that giant come down. So for some of us, we've lived with some of these issues for so long. They've become part of our identity. And maybe one of the things that God is saying to us today, come on, get your fight back. Get your fight back. This is, this is not God's plan for you. It's like, I want you to know unequivocally that it is not God's will that anyone in this room suffer and struggle. It's not God's will that you suffer. It's not God's will that you are sick. It's not God's will that you wake up three o'clock in the morning feeling anxious. It is not God's will. Jesus said in John 10.10 that you would have life and life in all its fullness. And anything that you experience that doesn't feel like life is not what God wants for you. And so something needs to rise up within us to say, this needs to change. Maybe here you're here this morning and you are so struggling that you think, I don't think I've got any fight in me. And listen, I understand that. That's why it's important that we do this. That's why it's important that the church are together. Because sometimes when you haven't got complaint, when, when you haven't got that within you, when you're feeling too weary, then others can have it on your behalf. Others can fight for you and pray with you. The first thing about a giant killer is they're fueled by complaint. The second thing is that they act with confidence. Now, there are two aspects of this that we see in the story of David. The first uh, you can see here, 1 Samuel 17, 36. D David says he's going to fight. He's brought to, uh, to the army generals and he's brought to Saul. And they look at him and they say, like, you can't do this. You're just a kid. Like, what can you possibly do, David? Like, like Goliath's been training all his, all his life. Like, you will never, ever be able to take him down. Like, go away. David says, verse 36, Sir, I've killed lions and bears, and I can kill this worthless Philistine. He shouldn't have made fun of the army of the living God. It's like David is saying, listen, I recognize that actually God has put some things in me. God has put some resources in me. God has put some gifts in me. God has put some abilities in me. God has put some passions in me. And I know that I can use those things to see this giant come down. Does anyone hear me today? It's like... If this was a musical, he'd be singing, I got skills they're multiplying, but I'm losing control because the power God's supplying is electrifying. Some of you wanted me to sing that, but I didn't want you to uh, be distracted. And, and folks, I want to pause. I want to say to you, God has put things in you. You are not helpless. You are not hopeless. There are gifts and talents and passions and skills and things that God has put in you. Romans 12, 6 says that God has poured gifts into each and every one of us. You are not hopeless in the face of your giants. You can be confident that God has done something in you that you can apply to the giants that you face. 
That's what David's saying. But of course, ultimately, his confidence is not even in that. His confidence is in his God. Look at these verses here. This is verse 37, 45, and 47. The Lord has rescued me from the claws of lions and bears, and he will keep me safe from the hands of this Philistine. You come out to fight me with a sword and a spear and a dagger, but I've come out to fight you in the name of the Lord all-powerful. The Lord always wins his battles, and he will help us defeat you. He will have, see, the Israelites, this is a perspective challenge. The Israelites, they looked at the size of Goliath and they thought they could not win. David looked at the size of God and he knew he could not lose. That's the perspective. The perspective of the Israelites is they looked at Goliath and they thought, he's so big, we could not hit him. David was like, he's so big, I cannot miss him. Like, this giant has got to come down. Like, the fact that he's made himself so big will be his downfall. And I want to say that over to some people today. That if you feel your giant is so big, it just means they're going down harder. That's what it means. That's what it means. Not ultimately because of you, but because of him. Because of the God that we serve. Because let me just make this very clear, despite the fact that I do believe that God wants to raise up a giant killer spirit within us. Anyone ready to be a giant killer this year? Raise up that spirit. I'm going to take out some giants this year. Like Embrace that, but please understand that the ultimate giant killer is Jesus Christ. He is the one who ultimately has defeated all the giants. The Jesus who showed his love for us, that he broke into human history and became a man and showed us what God is like through the way he lived his life. Showed us how to live a fulfilling, satisfying, full and life in all its fullness. Who died an agonizing death on the cross. And when he turned, he took on all of the giants, all of the giants of sickness and suffering and Satan, even the biggest giant of all, death itself and to prove that he is God three days later he rose again defeating all of those giants and the God who defeated the giant of death can defeat any giant that you face in life that's the truth he acts with confidence in his God I love what the scripture says time and time again. Like in Romans 8, it says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Like I, I would be cool if it just said, I'm a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I mean, that would be good enough. I don't even understand what it means to be more than a conqueror, but it sounds really good. Greater is he, the scripture says, that's in me than he that's in the world. The scripture says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. If God is for me, then who can be against me? That I can hide under the shadow of his wings, but I can also soar on the wings of eagles with him. This is, this is the God that we have. We are confident in him. That with him, every giant must fall. Every giant must fall. They burn with complaint, they act with confidence, and then they run with courage. Point three. Verse 48, when Goliath started forward, David ran towards him. I love that. This crazy teenager, what's wrong with him? Running with courage. And and what I want to understand, and pause for this moment, because some of you, maybe you'll be thinking about the confidence thing, and and maybe you're thinking, well, I'm I'm not 100% confident in myself. 
that I've got things. And, and if I'm honest, I'm not 100% God in confidence in God. I, I, maybe I am here, but I don't know if I, I am here. And I guess if we're honest, that's true for everyone in the room. I, I, I don't know anyone who has perfect faith. I don't know anyone who has perfect confidence in themselves. I, don't, I think we're all very much like a man who brought his son to Jesus once and asked Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus looked with such love on the man and said to the man, Do you believe I could heal this, this boy? Do you believe I could heal my, your son? And the man with utter honesty said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I get that. Do you get that? I do believe. God, I do believe that every giant must fall. I believe that you can do this. But there's this little bit of doubt. There's this little bit of, of fear in we. We'd be real about that. And that's why you've got to have courage. Bernie Brown says that courage is fear that said its prayers. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. And if you look at the whole story of David, and it's an amazing story. And one of these years, I keep promising the team we're going to do a whole teaching series on David. He's my favorite character in the Bible aside from Jesus. But what you'll see in David is, is even though we see the strength here, actually David's a very weak, vulnerable, broken kind of guy. And so I guarantee you that as he's running towards Goliath, there's a part of him, I promise you, that's thinking, what am I doing? And wrestling with faith and fear and faith and fear, but doing it anyway. But doing it anyway. Running with courage. Looking our giants in the face and saying, your day is done. Your day is done. Fourthly, to pursue with commitment, verses 49 to 51, we, he put a rock in his sling and he swung the sling around by its straps. When he let go of one strap, the rock flew out and hit Goliath on the forehead. It cracked his skull and he fell face down on the ground. David defeated Goliath with a sling and a rock and he killed him without even using a sword. But David then ran over, pulled out Goliath's sword and then he used it to cut off Goliath's head. I love that. It's good. Take your giant's weapon and cut the giant's head off with it. Come on. If you, if you look in the earlier verses to this passage, you'll see that David collects five stones. Remember that? Some scholars say the reason that he did that is because Goliath had four brothers. And so once he was taken out Goliath, the others were in trouble. I don't know if that's true, but I could believe that about David. Because like David understood something. like He understood, I'm going to absolutely make sure this giant is gone. I'm not going to stop until this giant's gone. This is not like one of those really frustrating you know, horror films or movies, you know, when, when the killer just keeps coming back. And, and all, if, if you ever watch those things, of course, I never would. But if you ever watch those things... You know, and they think they've killed the killer. And then he just gets up again. And then they kill him a few times and they push him over and he gets up again. And I'm, if I ever watch those things, I'm looking, cut his head off. He won't come back if you cut his head off. See, that's commitment. This thing's are saying, I'm going to cut the head off this giant. It wasn't enough for David that he killed him just with a, with a knock on the head. Like He went up to Goliath and he chopped his head off. I am not going to stop doing this until this is done. Like When I was, a, when I was uh, again a teenager, not only was I into bodybuilding, but I was also into a little bit of karate. And, um, and, I, and, uh, and I, I remember um, 
doing some of that stuff, and, and I used to love all those karate films, all the kung fu films, and there was this particular film called No Retreat, No Surrender. Do you remember it, JB? You do. It was one of those annoying films where it was kind of badly dubbed. You know, you got this guy going, you'll kill my mother. I get you. You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, but I loved, I loved the whole, that, I, I love that title. It was a fairly naff film. But, but I love that title. No surrender. No retreat. I'm not going back and I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep on keeping on until this thing is done. Until this thing is done. God wants to raise that in us. He, Jesus says, pray and keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. If you've been praying for 10 years, keep praying. You might be one day away from the miracle that you've been looking for. Don't give up. Whether it takes a day, a week, a year, 10 years or decades, keep praying. Keep believing. Keep pressing on. Keep going until you see that giant come down. Don't give up. Don't give up. Pursue with commitment. Any, anyone who did anything in life, they gave it their all. You think of some of the big giants in our world. Think of Emmeline Pankhurst who fought on the, 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 the giant of gender inequality. Think of Martin Luther King Jr. who took on the, the giant of racial discrimination. Think of Nelson Mandela who took on the giant of apartheid. Think of Wilberforce and all of his chums who took on the giant of slavery. It took them all of their lives almost to do it. It cost them their lives. In fact, it was Martin Luther King Jr. who famously said, if you don't have a cause, worth dying for, then you're not fit to live. And and I want to ask you this morning, as well as thinking about the giants that are in our lives, that we must be committed to just keep on believing, God, you are going to heal me. You are going to transform this relationship. You are going to sort out my finances. I'm not giving up to you. I'm holding on to you, even in my moments of doubt. I'm holding on to you with fingertips, maybe, because where else would I go to be saved and rescued? But as well as that, there are giants in our land. There are giants in our community. You can walk into Hitchin and you can see people who are homeless, people who are struggling, lots of things going on. And this, friends, is happening on our watch. And the church of Jesus Christ is not supposed to be a holy huddle of people who come and sing a few nice songs. We're supposed to see this stuff change. This stuff is supposed to change. Like we, we want to be in a place where hitching and hearts and beds, the poverty levels go through the floor. The, the people know. We, we want to believe that the giant of poverty, the giant of debt, the giant of divorce, the giant of school exclusions. We want to believe that the God we serve can turn that stuff around. But we keep on keeping on. We give it our all. We, we never give up. We keep on trusting, keep believing. We pursue with commitment. We say, we're going we're gonna to give this all we've got for the things inside and the things beyond. That's what David does in this giant force. But the last part of the story actually happens decades and decades later. You can read it later in Second Samuel. David is now very, very old as a king. And he's on the battlefield for the last time, and he nearly gets killed. And one of his soldiers intervened. You, I said, you go and have a look at this in um, uh, 2 Samuel 21. And his, one of his 
army guys, they step in and they rescue him. And then they turn to David and they say, David, like you have fought all of your life. You've, you've killed giants and you've fought in the army. Like you've done so well. You, you, can, you can rest now. We've got this. And David is willing to do that. Do you remember I said that when David steps on the battlefield in 1 Samuel 17, there are no giant killers in the land? In 2 Samuel 7, uh, 21, David is willing to, to step aside because he has raised up a generation of giant killers. Because that's the final thing that giant killers do. They are intentionally contagious. David's soldiers told him, we can't let you risk your life in battle anymore. You give, you're a give light to our nation and we want that flame to keep burning. He was contagious. That, that once David had killed Goliath, other people realized, hey, we can take out giants. This is possible. The thing that people thought was not possible becomes possible. And everyone else starts to do it. It's like back in the mid-50s when everyone said, you cannot run a mile in less than four minutes. Your heart will explode. That's what the medical profession said. And then dear Roger Bannister, who passed away in the last year, he did what everyone said was impossible. In May the 6th, 1955 or 56, 6,000 people gathered into a London stadium and they watched Roger Bannister do what everyone said was not possible. He broke that record in under four minutes. But here's the thing, 43 days later, someone else did it, and then someone else did it, and then someone else did it, because Roger Bannister's radical became the new normal. What is your radical that will become the new normal for those that follow you? Your story will be, when people look at you, you can say, listen, I understand what it is to to battle with addiction or battle with anxiety or, or battle with grief. I understand that. But with God's help, I overcame that giant. And because I overcame it, you can overcome that giant too. That's what it means to be a giant killer. That it's not just about you, but it's the inspiration, it's the example that you will bring to many others that will see how you prevailed in the face of adversity to give them the courage and the comfort and the strength and encouragement to do the same. Friends, this year, 2019, we want to declare, in fact, we want to believe that God is declaring over us, over this nation, over this world, Every giant must fall. It must fall. It has no right to intimidate you, to bring you down anymore. For some of us, it's time to get mad again. To think, not on my watch. I want this thing to change. For some of us, it's to recognize that God has put things into us that we can apply. We can be confident that God wants to use us. But most of all, we're confident in him that nothing is impossible for him. That we run with courage. We don't run away, but we run into the battle. Jesus is where it's always most dangerous. Because that's where the miracles happen. That we pursue with commitment. We keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. If you've fallen down, get up again. Keep going. We're all in this together, aren't we? No one stands alone. And that as we do that, the legacy of our lives will be the generation that's coming up will look and say that we can do it too. In fact, the prayer of our hearts, just like it was Jesus in the upper room, is that they will do greater things, that they will take on greater giants. Amen? So why don't you stand with me as we think about responding to this?